If you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. It's a home for entrepreneurs, makers, creators, basically a big warehouse space full of equipment that we teach people how to use. I remember just was like, oh my God, this is like a gym, but to make things. I kind of see our team as kind of the academic advisor for the making world. I started with cutting boards. I ended up furnishing my house. From the house, I was like, well, if I know the health code regulations, how can we put all of this together and make it in a commercial setting? In the greater Philadelphia area is a maker's resource that goes far beyond the term makerspace. NextFab is a network of makerspaces in Philadelphia, North Philadelphia, and as of 2017, Wilmington, Delaware. We're on site right now at Podcast Movement 2018. This is Dot Cannon with a live edition of Over Coffee. By the way, we're in the TalkShoe Pavilion, sponsored today by TalkShoe and by Heil Microphones, and thank you to them for this amazing service. Got two very special maker-entrepreneur guests with me right now. We're going to be talking a lot about design and a little bit about cooking. With me, Anna Solomon, Assistant Sales Manager of NextFab. Hi, Anna. Welcome. Hi. And Jezebel Carriaga. I hope I said your last name right. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Thank Who is you. Hello. A next, hello. She's, I don't have enough time to give all your credentials. You're the NextFab <laughs> member, owner of Jezebel's Cafe, owner of Jezebel's Studio, furniture maker, chef, and I hope I didn't miss anything. No, that sounds intimidating, though. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start with a general question about both of your backgrounds. Which did you both fall in love with first, making things or entrepreneurship? How about you, Jezebel? So, um, I think I've been a maker my whole life. Um, I remember making, well, of course, food. That was my first kind of thing that I definitely um, got my hands on. Um, But I do also remember making um, cardboard uh, lumps and, you know, just playing around with wood. And um, my dad used to work at this um, metal, uh, like a steel factory. So I always remember that smell, that strong smell of uh, steel. So that's something that, you know, it's one of the elements that I work with today, but it's, those are very close memories. A lot of us remember the scent of chocolate chip cookies growing up. You remember the scent of steel. Yes, that's mine. (laughs) When did you first realize that making things and creating great food, as you do today, was going to be your life's work? Um, I think that's something that I'm still discovering. Um, It's something that started very organically, like everything else in my life. Um, I often say I didn't go to school for culinary, design, or woodworking. And those are the th- three things that are actually they're part of my career today. Um, so I think like it's, it's just like allowing myself to be who I am. I wanted to be connected with food, and that took me to open a business. And, you know, running a business and running through certain, like, um, challenges, uh, you know, like a space, uh, old buildings, uh, health food regulations. I think that kind of like pushed me to the next level, which it was like, okay, how can we make, you know, some ice or sinks, make them look pretty? 
and how can we maximize the space, which is something that is always a constraint. Um, you know, you never have enough space for refrigeration and, you know, and also you have to make them look cute because I think that design matters not only for, should matter not only for the customer, but it should also matter for the people who's there working every day. Let's ask you the same question, Anna. What do you remember best about your growing up years that made you desire, first of all, design or entrepreneurship? What first appealed to you? That's a good question. Um, well, I, I come from uh, a family of engineers and artists. Um, both my parents were engineers, so growing up I was around uh, people who like to tinker, who like to build and create. Um, so I think making was what I really fell in love with first, because that's what you really do as a child. You pick up things and you learn more about them and learn how they work. Um, but very early on, I was interested in entrepreneurship. There was a I remember, I think it was in first grade, they asked us, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and I listed at the time, I was figure skating, so I said, I want to be a figure skater, and I wanted to be an entrepreneur one day. <laughs> um, I thought, I was like, heard the definition of what it was, someone who's starting your own business, and I was like, that's exactly what I would like to do one day. Um, Kind of where I ended up, though, is as I've been tinkering and learning as I got older, uh, I found that I really just loved the community of people who are involved in entrepreneurship and building. Um, I like helping people uh, be creative and uh, find their passions um, and develop that creativity. So that's where I kind of found a home in uh, a maker space, which is actually helping people build businesses and objects and things. Let's talk a bit about that makerspace, which is not all that new to Philadelphia, but certainly is new to Wilmington, my old stomping ground, yes. celebrating, I think, one year. NextFab. If nobody has heard of NextFab on the West Coast yet, how would you describe it? Oh, it's a, it's a home for uh, entrepreneurs, makers, creators. Uh, it's basically a big space, big warehouse space full of equipment uh, that we teach people how to use. Uh, so we have anywhere from someone who wants to build a coffee table for themselves and has no background in woodworking. Uh, we can get them up to that pro end of that project. Or someone uh, who's actually trying to build a product or build a business and give them the support they need to gain those technical skills that they might not have a background in and also connect them with uh, the community that can help. This looks very cool. Jezebel, you got to experience that firsthand as a member. Had that come on your radar? So um, we were in need. It's always, you know, you always start these projects kind of like because you need something, I think. And you definitely have to like give it room to explore. And um, we needed some kind of um, like a heavy duty holder for hoods in a commercial kitchen. And um, we needed to do welding, but if we were going to outsource that job, it was going to be pretty um, expensive. Uh, so we started looking for spaces where you could do welding or it, the woodworking wasn't even a part of it. And this is uh, February 2015, so this is not that long ago. Um, and I remember just I was like, oh my God, this is like a gym, but to make things. So we went over with my brother. My brother is a welder. And um, they were like, oh, would you like to do a tour? And I clearly remember it was like a Friday afternoon. 
Uh, we did the tour, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, we walk out and they were like, sure, we're coming over tomorrow to take, you know, to sign up for woodworking and metalworking classes. And that was it. How much fun does that sound? <laughs> what do you remember best? What's one of your absolute favorite stories from coming in and taking those woodworking classes and metalworking? I think um, for me, it was just walking into the wood shop. So I have this memory when I was like five years old. Um, my parents, we just moved into our parents' home at that time. And we, I used to go with my dad to this wood shop where they were making all the doors and windows at this wood shop. So I would go there, and every time that I was there, I always remember seeing a planer and grabbing sawdust and try to squi- like put it in my pocket. And I remember the smell of wood, and I just loved it. And so I walk into next fab, and you know, first you have like the metal shop. Then it's a little more, you keep going to the back and then you have the, the wood shop. And I just remember seeing that planer and then just smelling wood. And I was like, oh my God, I can do so many things here. That was like my first thought. And, you know, and then you discover like the second floor and the laser printer. And, you know, there are so many more things that you can do there. But I think that for me was like, I can do something here. That's the really important thing, the sense of, yes, I can. Yes, my dreams are possible. Anna, what about the tour of Next Fab that we didn't talk about just now? We've seen the wood shop in our imagination. We've seen a metal shop. What else might I experience if I were taking a tour right now of Next Fab? Uh, well, uh, you'd walk in uh, through those shop areas that you talked about. Uh, you go up the stairs. There is a big co-working area where uh, you see some of our business community working. Uh, we have electronics uh, area where you can go all the way up to uh, actual circuit board manufacturing, which is unique to our space. Uh, you have large format uh, two-dimensional printers, which are great for artists or photographers. Uh, and then you also have 3D printers and laser cutters, which is kind of the big uh, exciting thing right now in making. Uh, 3D printers are uh, kind of hot on the scene right now, so we're one of the places you can learn to do that. I'd love to hear the story of NextFab. How's that get started here in the Delaware Valley area? Sure. Uh, so it was started by a man named Dr. Evan Malone. Uh, he has his Ph.D. in mechanical engineering. Uh, he was one of the first people to actually develop a 3D printer that was open source, so you could basically get the plans online and build it yourself. Uh, as he was working through his doctorate and playing with this new equipment, he learned about uh, the MIT Fab Lab movement. Uh, if you're familiar with the MIT Fab Lab movement, uh, they are uh, basically developing... Uh, blueprints for people to hand out um, throughout the world and actually develop a somewhat makerspace fab lab on your own. Um, They're the incubator of a lot of those plans. So he got involved with this program, was able to actually bring one of his printers to uh, the fab lab down in Africa. Uh, While working in South Africa, he started seeing uh, a lot of the locals coming in and knowing how to use equipment that he basically went through school to learn how to use. Um, So obviously that's very inspiring uh, and came back to Philadelphia then where uh, he had actually spent some time and decided to start it here uh, in the Drexel campus. 
Um, so that was that's kind of the origin story of NextFab, and uh, you know, from there it's expanded to three locations in the region, and we're soon to open up a uh, artisan-focused space actually in North Philadelphia in the next year. Wow! And specific date on that? You know, I know 2019, but is there a specific open date that people can note? We'll say late 2019. All right, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> Jezebel, I haven't yet asked you about the story of Jezebel's Cafe. You share a very neat personal story on your website. What was the journey like for you? Um, so um, I had a good experience in corporate. Um, I was always this very, like, I want to have a career person. And so I finished that and somehow this opportunity to open a cafe in Philadelphia came along, which, you know, I relocated to Philadelphia from South Florida, Miami. And then I always also loved like the northeast coast of the U.S. And it was my dream to actually live somewhere between D.C. and Boston. And I landed pretty close. So... (laughs) Um, And then, you know, I moved here and the city was very different in 2010 than what it is today. Um, So, you know, it wasn't as diverse. It was just starting to get all this food from other countries, from other parts of the world. Um, So I came, I opened a cafe. It was a little more like a coffee shop. So we will carry bagels and croissants, you know, and little by little I started like adding empanadas. Alfajores, which is today our main focus. And, you know, at the beginning, if we will say like 20 empanadas a day, that would be a lot. Today we make a minimum of 180 to 300 empanadas a day. So, you know, I mean, things have changed a lot throughout the last eight years. Um, And, you know, little by little, I decided to evolve. And this was kind of my journey. Um, and I do take being an entrepreneur as a lifestyle. And, you know, and these are not thoughts that you have when you're starting a business. These are things that you grow into. And, you know, we opened the cafe, started getting, like, busier little by little. And, you know, as you grow, you have to follow health code regulations. Um, you have to work on a building that is narrow. And you need to, you know, make sure like it's profitable, but also that it's functional. Um, so I think like I found a lot of things that needed improvement along the way. Um, sometimes it's hard for me to, you know, look at the sinks that we have because they hurt my eye. <laughs> um, so, you know, those are things that I always kept on the back of my mind. And, you know, and you start growing and you're like four years old and people is like, oh, when are you opening a second one? This is so successful, right? And you're like, well, you know, like we're making it. Um, so it took a little longer than that um, until it was fully established. And, you know, we just grab empanadas and then say like we're gonna make really awesome empanadas and that's our focus on like making fresh food um you know food that you make at home this is now rocket science here um so that was what actually really pushed me to the next level and you know trying to say like okay how can we improve the experience not only for the customer but also for our staff um, 
And, you know, things keep going. I decided to open Jezebel's studio. Um, right before I get into the studio project, I started making furniture. Um, I started with cutting boards. I ended up furnishing my house. Uh, and then um, from the house, I was like, well, if I know the health code regulations and I can make furniture look nice, how can we put all of this together and make it in a commercial setting? So that's how I actually started thinking about the idea of like, I want to come to NextFab and work for a certain period of time and walk out with the business under my arm. That was like what I kept thinking um, until I got to the point I was like, okay, then sign a lease and get it going. <laughs> so, you know, and I we started like, okay, let's build these, let's build cabinets, let's do the benches, let's do the tables, let's do, um, then it was the sinks. Uh, so, you know, completely like redesign what a commercial kitchen will look like. Um, it was one of my goals. Um, I ended up even working with Corian, uh, which I never had done in the past. And that's how all our countertops um, are made of. Um, and it was just like continuously growing. And the only actually couple of things that we bought for the space are handmade ceramic lamps and chairs. And so the whole space was actually made at NextFab. Wow. What uh, people are listening right now, they're in your area, and they say, where do I see this? How do I experience the cafe and the studio? So we have two locations, and they're all very neighborhood-oriented. Um, One of them is our original space is in uh, Fiddler Square, uh, 2536 Pine Street, right across the Schuylkill River Park. And Jezebel's studio, um, it's on 45th and Walnut, right on a Spruce Hill uh, neighborhood. And we can find your hours and anything like that online at Jezebelscafe.com um, or also Jezebelsstudio.com. Jezebelscafe.com, Jezebelsstudio.com. I have to wonder, as a chef who's fusing recipes, remember, from Argentina, building furniture, doing this, that, and the other, managing a business, when in the world do you sleep? What's an average day like? <laughs> Average day, like, I actually sleep a fair amount. Um, I sleep between seven to eight hours. And uh, I'm usually up by seven-ish. I need to get up and go downstairs and make my cup of coffee. <laughs> That's the routine. Nothing else happens um, before that. And then, you know, and then I grab my phone. And then I start like, okay, emails, uh, reading a little something, picking up what's on the mail. Um, and then I grab the computer. That's when it's getting more serious. Um, answer emails or anything urgent by 10 a.m. I have to be out of the house. And, you know, I mean, I have uh, two places to hit. Definitely, like the cafe and the studio or either one, depending on the day. So my day is split, like, around 10 to 2 p.m. at one space. And then it's, like, running around somewhere in between and then trying to head to next five around five, six o'clock until later on the day, like nine, 10, depending on what's going on. And you know, go back home, have dinner, and that's it. <laughs> it sounds like structure is the key to your success here. I have to, I, I definitely have to like, you know, keep my head on like what it's important and urgent, 
but also I cannot keep focus on like what's coming up um, because it's necessary to like keep doing like a few small things to get to you know things that they need to be done in a, a week or a month um, is definitely um, necessary to keep an eye on like what's coming up. And what most helps to keep an eye on that? Do you have a program that you use that's very helpful? Do you have an organizer? What really works well for you as a businesswoman? Oh my God, I wish I would have one straight answer for you. <laughs> so a lot of it uh, goes on my head, of course. Um, I think um, my phone and a notepad. So that's where everything goes. And it's funny because I have a brother that who's... Um, 13 years younger than me and he's like why do you still write things I was like because this is where my head like actually comes down <laughs> I know I won't forget if I write it down a lot of us as artists have that creative connection that you write it's kind of your hand from your brain to the paper absolutely completely yeah. get it Anna what's an average day like for you at NextFab oh wow um I'll get up, get to next fab. It's it varies between there if I have you know an early meeting or something. Um, my typical day is really uh, working either with uh, new members to get them set up and ready. I kind of see um, our team as kind of the academic advisor for the making world. Uh, a lot of people have ideas and thoughts and don't know exactly uh, how to execute them or really what steps you need in between. And we don't expect them to. Not everyone has that background. Um, so a lot of what we do is figuring out how to set up um, them for success, giving people plans, uh, setting them up with classes, connecting them with experts. Uh, that's a good chunk of my day. Other than that, uh, I, I really focus a lot on uh, the customer's experience past that as well. So how do we make sure that every person who's getting in here is getting that experience? How do we make sure someone knows where to go when they need advice or help? Um, so I, I find that kind of where my creativity lies in the day right now. Um, but the day varies day to day past that. Yeah, it's in those general categories, but it could be working or talking with a number of different people. It occurred to me as I said that average day is probably not a very fair question to ask to creative people. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> if someone comes to you with an idea, let's say I've been ooing and eyeing at Jezebel's gorgeous tables. Hmm. I want to make a butcher block table, but I don't want to steal her idea. And I say, I think I'd like to make a butcher block table with a lamp. I have no idea how to make this. How do you facilitate my doing that? Well, I, I would say you're already off to a good start because uh, picking a first project is extremely important. Uh, there's a lot of people who have a lot of ideas, but pick that one uh, to focus on and work through and accomplish before you're moving on to the next one. So I, I honestly would split up your two. Uh, one is woodworking, one is more uh, electronics-based, uh, and depending on how you want to make the lamp. Uh, but I probably would set you up with um, foundational classes on how to actually operate equipment, and then potentially, depending on if you need it, talking to an expert to plan out what that thing is going to look like, making a list of the materials you need, and then going from there. Um, the way... NextFab kind of helps people work through this process is if you need help, you ask for it. So giving them that plan in the beginning is important, but also stressing 
there's someone in the wood shop who has furniture experience. This is your person to go to and talk to as you continue on through this. So that would be my recommendation. I love that you say it's okay to ask questions. It's okay not to feel foolish. Maybe I've never touched a lathe before. Maybe I don't know anything about electrical engineering. Yes. And again, we do not expect you to. Most people do not in the world. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. I did want to be sure and mention that you have a pretty exciting program happening at NextFab with Wilmington. Next Makers, I believe? Yes. uh, Next Makers is pilot program we've been working through, which is actually uh, giving sponsored membership to people who apply to a short duration of a program. So it's uh, three to four months. They get a certain number of classes they can work through. Uh, They get uh, sponsorship and then a little bit of credit to work through um, those classes with. And through that, we're seeing a lot of people actually uh, either developing pieces of their business uh, or developing an art form. Those are kind of the two requirements. Uh, Past that, though, once they're through that program, that sponsored program, we have an option then to uh, for them to carry on their membership up to a year. It's very exciting, especially uh, for the surrounding community of our spaces. I think it's extremely important. We get connected with the people who can't necessarily afford to get in there as well. Which is exciting because I was mentioning before off mic, my family is from Wilmington. I had seen Wilmington make a major transition. And if anything's needed, it's hope and business reaching out to the community. Yeah, absolutely. What changes are you seeing in the community as the end result of Next Makers? What's happening? Oh, wow. Uh, I think we are a little early to see the the full result, but we're seeing, um, I think, a lot of business owners gaining confidence in their skills, which I think is really important. Um, We see a lot of people meeting each other who would have never met before, uh, sharing uh, their stories, best practices. So a community is developing there. I think after a few years, we may see some businesses maybe start to pop up around where we are or potentially even in our space. How exciting. Let's yeah. be sure and give the links, too, for NextFab and for Next Makers. Yes. So Next Makers you can find through our website, which is uh, nextfab.com, and we can uh, give the spelling in Let's be sure and do that. Nextfab.com, N-E-X-T-F-A-B, like next as a next, and then fab, like fabulous. Yes. Or fabrication, but I like to think it's fabulous. We like to think it's fabulous, yes. (laughs) Jezebel, on the subject of community, how are you seeing the community different now? You mentioned that in 2010, it was a vastly different community than you have right now. I trust better. Well, I think it's just being more diverse. Um, You know, I have... I don't define myself as a chef or as a woodworker. I think I'm somewhere in between uh, because I do a little bit of both. And if I have to talk about other peers in the culinary world, I will say, you know, I have friends from Indonesia, Malaysia, and Mexico. And, you know, we're all trying to kind of like push to share our flavors from home and you know make food um, really fresh and tasty Um, so I think that is happening on the culinary scene of Philadelphia and you know we have people definitely from all over the world here and uh, when it comes to the maker space I think people is taking pride on what they're doing 
Um, you know, I think we are part of a new generation that is more defiant. Um, and, you know, we have different things, you know, working in corporate is not everybody's calling. Uh, following a schedule Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, is not everybody's calling either. And I think just having that openness to, that you can do something else, you can do something with your hands, you can redefine who you want to be is part of this new revolution of makers. Um, people is like, you know what, I'm a woodworker and I'm a proud one and it's okay to work with your hands. You don't have to go to a school for, I don't know, seven, eight, ten years um, to decide to be successful. You decide, you decide what successful is for you and I think being part of that is, is it's very um, touching for me, you know, it's, um, it's having a stronger voice even that I could have had 10 years ago and I think it's just going to get stronger. I believe so. That's exciting because you're bringing hope to a community and you're bringing people a sense of, yeah, I can take charge. I love that. With that thought in mind, one problem, and this is a question for both of you that I see today, is that not enough women are getting interested in engineering <laughs> unless they like robotics. What would be your answer to that problem? How would you get a young woman interested in engineering if she says, no, I don't want to do robots? Well, uh, as someone who started out as a mechanical engineer in college, um, that really resonates with me. Um, I, I've heard that uh, it's been studies about why there's not as much women in the workspace. Um, I think a really key important thing is seeing women currently working in that and getting introduced to them early on. Um, my mother was a engineer, so I always thought that was an option for women. I, I never uh, thought that it was really a man's world or uh, wasn't something that my brain wouldn't fit into. Um, so I think that had a really big impact on me as a kid. Um, and I think more women who can get out there and actually speak to these younger kids um, sharing their stories and how they got involved. I think that's really the big piece um, that's missing. And I think uh, even at NextFab, we try and make sure that we have women in the shops because it's important to find people who look like you who are in the shops to make you feel um, you are like-minded or among like-minded. Absolutely. Same yeah. question to you, Jezebel. So I think for me, this is something that I was never aware of because I was just... I'm doing what I'm doing. To me, it doesn't matter. I was always empowered to do as a child and as a teenage to just be yourself, right? So for me, coming into this world and, you know, I mean, I run my own business. So it's not like running into a corporate world where I work with mostly men was it's part of my daily routine. So I'm setting the rules of like, well, you know, you get only promoted or you, your salary is based out of your performance. It doesn't matter if you are a man or if you are a woman. We are deciding, everybody is deciding this together. So I think that's what happens in one of the aspects of my life. And on the other one, I am very aware, like every time I, w I walk into NextFab, like I look around and I'm like, how many women are here? And I do have a sister, and I do want her to know, and I do push her to just, you know, 
go for whatever you need to go for. Like, you can do it. You don't have to wait for someone to come and help you. Um, I think one of the things that definitely we need to do a little more work is, like, sometimes how we um, talk to women. Like, we have to talk to everyone the same way, whether you are a man, a woman, or whoever you decide to be. We always have to talk on the same tone and empower everybody. And I think just... Sometimes, like, raising the flags is important, too. And it, and I always think about younger girls, you know. And, and and I try to make sure, like, they see photos on my Instagram feed or that, you know, they see photos of, like, doing the woodworking. And whenever I come, bring them around. And these are, like, uh, friends' daughters um, to next Nextwab and make sure, like, they get a tour that they do because it's important for them to know that there is no limits when it comes to you can achieve whatever you will like to or you love to in that case which is the most important lesson I think we could possibly communicate that pretty much answers the usual signature question I ask which would be if someone could only get one thing from you and your work about innovation creativity and making a difference what would you want it to be what would you add to what you've just said oh that's a tough question <laughs> um, I will say as you know, as I grow older, um, I think just fully show up to be yourself. I think we usually tend to be like, oh, what's I don't know if this is okay or if someone is gonna like this. Like nobody else is paying your bills. Just you know, um, show up to be yourself, no matter what that is. Um, whether it's a relationship, it's your job, it's your career show up 100%. I love that. Anna, what would you answer to that one? Uh, I would say keep pushing to find something that really excites you um, and that you're excited to continue learning about. Um, I had a, a long journey of trying to figure out exactly where I wanted to go and um, I'm at the point where I even think it's okay to not know for sure but to continue to keep um, doing the thing you're excited about and continue learning, continue talking to people who, um, you know, could be mentors. I think that's really important is if you're on the right track, don't second guess yourself. Keep going. Jezebel and Anna, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. You and I have been listening today to Anna Solomon, Assistant Sales Manager of NextFab, and to Jezebel Carriaga, who is a NextFab member, the owner of Jezebel's Cafe, owner of Jezebel's Studio, and a chef. And we'll be giving the links in just a moment. This, once again, has been a live on-tape recording from Podcast Movement 2018 in Philadelphia, sponsored by TalkShoe and by Heil Microphones. Thank you to them for this opportunity. Hope you enjoyed the broadcast. And as promised, here are those links. For NextFab, once again, the link is nextfab.com, spelling that N-E-X-T-F-A-B, nextfab.com. Meanwhile, for Jezebel's Cafe, her name is spelled J-E-Z-A-B-E-L, jezebelscafe.com is the link where you can see information about her menus, catering events, and her cooking classes, jezebelscafe.com. And be sure to check out her sister business as well, Jezebel's Studio. She has designed and crafted some pretty amazing kitchenware and furnishings, jezebelsstudio.com. That's jezebelsstudio.com. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. 
Subscribe to Over Coffee through our website, twomavericks.com. That's T-W-O-M-A-V-E-R-I-X.com, twomavericks.com. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.